0: Folks, the Winnipeg Jets just finished a wild and woolly affair against the Buffalo Sabres in a very difficult road matchup. Was not an easy game for the Jets. Obviously, the first half of a back-to-back, you know, against one of the highest scoring offenses in the entire NHL. Very tough test, but Connor Hellebuck and some very opportunistic goal scoring for Winnipeg carried the day. We'll dive into this game in greater depth in just a little bit on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. On to next episode, like I said, we're going to be diving into Winnipeg versus uh, Buffalo to start us off. Obviously, a a tight game for the Jets, one in which the Sabres definitely held a a pretty decisive scoring advantage in terms of chances created. But thanks to Connor Hellebuck being Connor freaking Hellebuck, uh, that didn't really matter. You know, Connor Hellebuck is kind of one of those guys who over the past several years has been... I would say the one anchor that this team uh, has consistently rallied around. Obviously, Nikolai Ehlers has been amazing. Um, you know, sometimes Shifley and, and Dubois, when they were feeling really rampant, were uh, running loose and doing great things. But on a consistent night to night basis, who do you recall being the most consistent performer? And the answer is Hellebuck. You might look at his raw numbers from the last few years and say, well, how is that possible? And the answer is, well, if you see how much the Jets were throwing at him and and conceding in front of him, you'd probably start to realize that he was actually doing an amazing job carrying this team at times. And when Winnipeg had made the postseason after, you know, that magical run, a lot of it was due to Heli just being uh, Connor Hellepuk. I mean, the guy is one of the few players where if he had like a bad 10 game stretch or something, I would still trust him to operate on me, defuse bombs, save cats out of trees. The guy is just so good, and you know that no matter what sort of bad stretches he has, he's likely to rebound and be just as good as he was maybe a few games prior. I mean, he's a—he's probably, for me, one of the most consistent goaltenders out there, which is really funny to say about a position that historically is extremely volatile. So, uh, you know, this was a game in which he was going to have to be on his best behavior. Uh, you might not realize this, but the Sabres offense uh, only trails the Bruins by two goals scored uh, in uh, four so obviously 154 goals or so scored this season a ridiculous number one of the uh, highest rates of finishing around the entire league uh, almost everyone in Buffalo's top six is shooting something like uh, I don't know 13 to 18 or even as high as 20 percent it's pretty ridiculous this year Tage Thompson Jeff Skinner um, of course Dylan Cousins and Rasmus Stalin, just a massively deep offense at the top end you start going down the line and you still get really good you know, contributors like Olafson and a few others. Okposov still has some juice left in the tank. But, you know, I think this, this team's puck movement, its ability to cut loose and, and really counter aggressively, it put the Jets under a lot of stress. Anytime Winnipeg was on the PK, you kind of felt like Buffalo had a really good opportunity because the Jets' PK really struggled to deal with Buffalo's rapid puck movement, Uh, I thought the Sabres did a really good job of forcing turnovers on a consistent basis. Winnipeg definitely started getting dead legs towards uh, the third period of the game. And even by the halfway point, you could already see fatigue and slowness starting to creep in. So the Jets really did kind of have to weather a pretty big storm. I would say that it was mostly Hellebuck and some like unbelievable last ditch plays that kind of kept the Jets from conceding. I think we'll all remember right in the last minute or two, uh, that puck that was midair, Hellebuck having to make a fabulous save on the first attempt, and then the puck being popped up, and somehow, I think it was DeMello batting it out of midair to clear it away from the goal line. The puck is still bouncing around, and somehow, you know, Hellebuck manages to squeeze his pats together while lying flat on his stomach before the puck crosses the line during the whole sequence. So you can kind of tell it was that kind of night. It was a very high-octane, back-and-forth evening, um, but Hellebuck, I think, was for me the easy number one star. I would say for the Jets, if I had a number two star, I might opt for Ehlers here. I thought that he had some of the uh, most creative plays of the game and was just very active and good all around. There was one sequence I remember when he was uh, essentially curling back through the neutral zone, and there was almost like a three or four on one about to develop for the Sabres, and with a great, great, uh, like, interception or pickoff, Aylers might have actually prevented a goal against and kept the game right uh, there for the Jets and actually created an offensive zone possession for Winnipeg after after that. So, you know, on top of having a couple of beautiful assists, one to Josh Morrissey for a great goal from the left side, and one to uh, Kyle Connor through the middle for a breakaway game-winner, It was just a really complete evening from Ehlers. He's looked as good as he, you know, mostly was before he uh, went down with the hernia injury. I think we're all just really happy to see him doing the thing that he does best. And, you know, we all love that he is still capable of performing. Um, I'm I've still got a big uh, soft spot for him. You know, he is the best jet, so to speak, that's not named Connor Hellebuck. And we are just thrilled to see him kind of thriving as far as the rest of the team was concerned. Uh, Winnipeg definitely struggled overall. I think, you know, the Sabres really had Winnipeg's measure at at a pretty good level. And by the third period, you know, it was just all Buffalo for most of the evening. And then the Jets had to hit back on really dangerous counters that occasionally came close to scoring. But I think the biggest thing for uh, the Jets was that Uka Pekkalukkanen at the other end was actually pretty decent himself. So, you know, it was going to be who blinked last, I guess, or uh, or who bl- blinked first in this case, um, and it was it was it was Lukanen who kind of wasn't able to match up against Hellebuck's. Maybe aren't expecting a victory. is phenomenal. Apologies, we just cut out there. I was just saying that uh, in terms of like you know the goaltending battle, uh, Lukanen, you know ended up blinking first and Hellebuck. Being that you know, that Vesna Buck presence that he is, he just has that ability to carry the Jets when maybe they're not doing enough on the ice. But overall, a really fun affair. I think the Jets can be thrilled to uh, earn two points, especially because today's opponent against the Pittsburgh Penguins, this might be an even harder challenge. We'll talk about why this Penguins team is so dangerous and who to watch out for in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Built. Bilt has a great product that I think you'll love. It's called Bilt Bar. And if you're wondering what that is, it's a delicious treat that's actually a protein bar. And best of all, it tastes more like a candy bar with a 100% real chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. You might be thinking to yourself, well, protein bars, a lot of them are dry, not that tasty. Why is Bilt Bar any different? And the answer is... They've got some amazing flavors, they've got great textures, and you know, best of all, the nutritional value of these things is off the charts. They're extremely low in calories, you know, 130 to 150 calories, 4 to 6 grams of net carbs, and then they've got a whopping 15 to 17 grams of protein. And you might be saying, well, how great can these flavors even be? But when you're diving into churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, uh, one of my personal original favorites, raspberry dark chocolate, These things are fantastic and best of all, you can get them at built.com where you can customize different uh, variety boxes. Or if you want to try a more brick and mortar option, Walmart's got a four pack that gives you some of their most popular flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolate and coconut puffs. Or you can also check out Sam's Club where they've got a 13 uh, bar box with some of the hit flavors like brownie batter, churro and a couple of others. So if you're ready to get started, be sure to head to built.com right now to find and order your favorite flavor. Uh, I would highly recommend, as I said, raspberry dark chocolate. The churro puff is delicious if they've got it in stock. They may not because these things do tend to go out of stock very quickly. So place your order right now, and I promise you will not regret it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Jets. We uh, just wrapped up talking about Winnipeg versus Buffalo. And, of course, you know, the Jets have... A pretty tough test again, uh, back-to-back evenings, you know, through the, the Eastern Conference. It's it's never an easy route, right? I think heading into the game against the Sabres, the Jets were like 6-7 and seven against the East. A couple of losses against teams like Washington and a few others, uh, all of which have been very difficult opponents. Um, for some reason, every time the Jets play the Caps, it's just never a fun time, right? Uh, Winnipeg's record against the Metro is always very spotty. Um, I think the most common opponent that we actually beat is like Columbus, maybe, Uh, but very, very tough conference. I would say the Metro this year is probably close to the best, Uh, not just because they have a couple of really top teams, but like there aren't really many bad teams in this conference, if any. Uh, It's just I mean, aside from the jackets, I mean, you've got what like the Isles, maybe being the second worst or something. So a really stacked uh, division, a really tough one. And if you've got a team that's anywhere in the middle, middle of the conference or middle of the division or above, you just know you're in for pain. And this this Penguins team, after a really rough start the season, they have rallied back in a big way. Um, Sidney Crosby is just Sidney Crosby. The dude just never seems to age. Uh, Yeah, like I'm I'm not being, you know, I'm being a little bit facetious, right? Obviously, he is getting up there in years. Uh, He is slowing down a bit, comparatively speaking. But when you're posting 48 points in 40 games and you are your team's far and away top scorer and you've been sort of the catalyst for driving offensive success for this team this year, I mean, what can you even say about Crosby? The guy just doesn't really seem to stop. Uh, He's one of those, I think, electrifying talents who can do everything from grinding the corners to setting up those elaborate, beautiful uh, hand-eye coordination extravaganzas, something that you know only Crosby could really do with that freakish upper body strength, amazing stick control. The guy just doesn't really seem to stop. Um, in a lot of ways, I think Dubois is probably uh, maybe inspired by some of the stuff that Crosby did. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois certainly has more, more buffling in him than he does Crosby, but they both have that massive frame, that excellent upper body strength, that incredible puck control. And I think Dubois you know this year has really shown off how he can really maintain possession and Crosby has a lot of those same traits perhaps to an even more extreme degree right Crosby could probably thread a needle and dive through like four or five defenders in his prime Uh, maybe not so much these days but let me tell you this this Pittsburgh team behind him is still pretty darn good as well he's got a great supporting cast. Malkin still doing Malkin stuff, almost a point per game. Uh, Gensel just a little bit over a point per game. Um, Zucker has finally started hitting the back of the net a little more consistently, although he still only got 10 goals. But, you know, his his passing and vision and creativity are kind of what defines him. Brian Rust is having a solid enough season. Not not amazing by his standards, uh, but I've always been a very big Rust fan. I think the one that I was kind of surprised by who was doing really well is uh, Ricard Raquel, Raquel was one of those acquisitions where I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. You know, Raquel is is a decent player, but I thought, you know, he's nearing the end of his like prime. And would he really be a meaningful contributor? Answer is actually, yeah, he's been pretty darn good. 25 points in 40 games, 14 goals. Uh, His shooting percentage isn't massively inflated. So it seems like he's generating stuff enough and at a, a reasonable clip to where you can kind of see that yeah, he's probably got a, a good pattern of success for this, this Penns team. Uh, after that, you, you will notice that things kind of level off a bit. You know, Jeff Carter's not exactly having a year to remember. Kasperi Kapanen, another guy who's like a reasonable depth player, but um, kind of more in the middle six of, of things. Danton Heinen, I think, probably would have been a nice player for the Jets, but uh, with the Pens, he hasn't really been doing a ton this year. Probably not thrilled with his own performance so far, but... I think for the price tag that he brought on, which was like a million for a season, he probably can't, you know, I think, I don't think the Pens can really complain, but they probably were expecting a little bit more out of him. As far as Pittsburgh team, you know, or, or Pittsburgh's goaltending is concerned, like as a whole, this is a very good trio of guys. Uh, Tokarski has played one game and had a pretty solid outing, but it's mostly, been, you know, been uh, Jari and DeSmith, and, you know, both are, are doing pretty well this season. Jari... Um, especially so you know I, I think his his numbers don't look outstanding outstanding but he's done a, a good enough job of being at least above average and and maybe even pretty darn decent and i think that for uh pittsburgh is basically all you need as long as you can get average or better preferably on the better side this team is going to be a menace they're very fast they've got great passing and vision and so the jets are going to have to be on their best behavior it's going to be a very tough game Winnipeg is probably going to be tired, uh, and if Riddick comes in that, I think the Jets are really going to want to stay off the uh, penalty kill. That's like a pretty consistent theme, but especially recently, the PK has looked a little dicier to me as of late. Uh, we, we all know that the PK hasn't exactly been a a standout feature of this team over the years, but especially the past few weeks, I've just noticed more space more backing off, and occasionally guys may be cheating at times at the wrong moments, which has set up really dangerous scoring opportunities against. So Winnipeg, just uh, stay out of the box and try and win this thing at evens because if you you know start conceding power play opportunities, not going to be a fun, fun evening for Riddick. Let me know what your score prediction is in the comments below. Um, I think for me, and I hate to say this, but I think I've got this as a 4-3 a to three overtime loss. I think the Jets could potentially force OT. Uh, even just getting a point in this game would be fantastic, though. Because Winnipeg beat Buffalo, splitting it 1-1 one and one would be very acceptable. I think that would be a great split for an extremely hard back-to-back matchup. It's awesome and amazing if they win both. I think that would be a, a great story and certainly a testament to how hard this team is is fighting through a lot of different things, injuries, illness, uh, and and frankly, our lack of roster depth. And speaking of a lack of roster depth in just a little bit, I wanted to talk about some of the comments that you know some of the sports media has been making about the Jets and why I don't think they're really seeing this team for what it is um, and, and sort of where Winnipeg really needs to strengthen itself at the trade deadline. Before we go any further, though, I do want, want to shout out our friends and partners at BetOnline.net. Online is your number one source for all of the sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis you need this season, whether you're looking for amateur or professional leagues for basketball, football, um, soccer. They've got everything from you know college bowl season to the run-up to the NFL playoffs. Of course, basketball, for those of you ready for uh, the road to the Final Four in a few months. Um, and if you're looking for that post-World Cup hangover cure, they've got plenty of returns to domestic league action for you know, uh, Europe, Europe and a few other uh, leagues out there. But, you know, you might also be interested in other sports media content, and they've got tons of great podcasts and news articles for you to dive into. So you'll always be plugged into your favorite sports 24-7. And as always, they're the easiest and fastest way to get all of the betting info you need. So head on over to BetOnline.net right now and register for a free account because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're just going to close out real quick with some thoughts on some of what the uh, Canadian and broader sports media has been saying about the Jets, uh, especially in terms of like the roster composition. Uh, obviously, Kevin uh, shovel Dayoff's comments came out the other day, and he is, is trying to be, you know, I guess he's doing his usual Chevy-speak thing, which is, Tends to not give you a lot of answers. You sort of have to read between the lines. He implied that he is looking at the trade market, though. I think, you know, it's hard to know exactly what he's he's got going on, but I would suspect that in terms of like acquisitions, he's thinking a little bit bigger than what we're used to, right? I know that he always tempers something like a big acquisition with, well, we also know that we can improve the margins and stuff, but I think Chevy probably knows that this team as constructed, is is a little bit weaker. Um, and it's a little bit imbalanced, right? You've got guys like Shifley, Dubois, and Ehlers, and Morrissey, and they're like the elite upper crust uh, in terms of the skaters. But then after that, you know, the, the value drops off pretty significantly. Um, I, I should say Kyle Conner's also kind of in that group. Uh, not quite at the same level of like Ehlers, but in terms of like his finishing ability, uh, it, it's certainly amazing. I think after that, though, you're starting to get into like Cole Perfetti. Um, Perfetti has been decent this year. Uh, at times, really good, but I think uh, at, at other times you can tell that he's still trying to figure out the best way to be a really high impact player. Um, and if his his linemates aren't finishing his opportunities, you know it's going to be tougher for him to uh, find you know moments on the score sheet. He hasn't really been shooting and finishing a ton this season. I think if he gets more power play time, that would probably change things. But so far, just looking at his even strength value, it's it's been, you know, acceptable, like acceptable to good. Where you start to notice things kind of tailing off a bit is, you know, after that, you're looking at contributors like Lowry, Gagne. Um, sometimes, you know, David Gustafson shows up here, maybe some value from from Kevin Stenland. But that bottom six for as good as it is, or as as it can be defensively, You're just not getting enough offensively out of it. And that's on top of having, you know, Wheeler, Kuhlman, uh, a few others filling in in the top six or in Wheeler's case, starting on a pretty consistent basis. And so the Jets are going to have to find probably not just a middle six option, but I would say a top six forward as well. I think two trades would do a lot of good for this team. Uh, If you could get Wheeler down to maybe um, like an even split, right, like an even three line split in terms of. His on ice time, I think it would do a lot of good for him. And I think having a really balanced top nine where you can roll three lines and then a fourth matchup line, I think for the Jets would be fabulous, uh, especially because the defense is probably not going to change much this season uh, until summer. And, you know, the blue line is is kind of a hot mess outside of, you know, Morrissey, Sandberg, um, you know, sometimes Dylan has really good games. Same for Schmidt. Uh, of course, DeMello, Steady Eddie but Pionk has really struggled enough to the point where it has had a a pretty tangible impact, especially because Pionk gets so much ice time. So the Jets are definitely going to need to sort that out. I think my biggest thing with the the media right now is that they're saying this Jets team doesn't really need to do a lot to be uh, a true competitor. And I disagree. I think the Jets still need at least two acquisitions uh, up front. I think Winnipeg is, is closer than it is far. But like I said, you know, Hellebuck, they're still leaning really heavily on him, and I think it would be nice to give the forwards a a bit more finishing talent from, you know, a guy who might be uh, either a really good rental if they're trying to spend a lot, or, you know, maybe a a Mikhaev and something else, another maybe Matthew Joseph type guys who can keep up and, and comfortably slide up and down the lineup, but probably won't cost the Jets an arm and a leg. Let me know who you've got on your acquisition list. I'm sure there are a lot of players that you've thought about, and we've certainly explored that over the past month or so. Uh, but you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a waiting game until March, I'm sure. So cross your fingers. Hope the Jets get a little bit spendy this year. It is a prime time for Winnipeg to really make a splash and just go for it. I mean, we've all sat through and watched a lot of years of Jets hockey that was extremely underwhelming. This is the time to to kind of cut loose and have fun. So. We'll keep an eye on that and report anything that happens with any trade acquisitions. But for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Next week, we'll talk about what happened in the Pens game and anything else over the weekend. But like I said, for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. I thank you again so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Uh, We will see you next Monday. So as always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.